Get ready, you're about to enter the Renzo Republic. Folks, welcome back to Remso Republic Live. Go ahead and do me a quick favor. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Remso101. That's R-E-M-S-O-101. Love doing the live streams more often, um, especially since we're on the off-season. I've been saying this all the time, but if you go ahead and you like these videos, go ahead and do me two big favors because Facebook hates me. Me and producer Ryan, he's on the... I just realized he's not in the room tonight. Me and producer Ryan recently put in Facebook jail for not saying some very not-so-nice things. Accurate things, but not-so-nice things. So Facebook was like, ah, we're going to go ahead and Zuckerberg you. Off to the gulag. And instantly we were just like, oh, look, all of our social media reach has just gone downhill from here. So we've got a couple things that I would love for you to help us out with. Go ahead and share this video. It's the little share button below. It, it costs you nothing, nothing, nothing. Well, it does everything for me. And secondly, because we are doing this when uh, the podcast is off season and we're taking a break to go ahead and schedule all our awesome people we have coming down for season four. Season four, that's another 30 episodes. It still sounds crazy when I say it. Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Leave us a fantastic review. For those of you that saw today, we just started volume two of Firing Back with Gun Owners of America, me and Eric Pratt are having so much fun, just completely um, blowing people's minds. And instantly, like, this is the best time we could have aired it because it's always like we're kind of iffy. It's like, oh, there's been another shooting or anything. And instantly people are going to get tired of listening to this stuff. But we wait a little bit. We're like, okay, now's the best time. And as soon as we put it out, a few days after USA Today said that basically an AR-15 is completely naked without your regular chainsaw attachment. So we're having so much fun, and I've got so much awesome stuff coming down the pipe. But there's uh, there's always something in the news we got to cover to go ahead and keep everything relevant. Last week, we had an election here in Virginia and New Jersey, and it got kind of awkward because all the Republicans just got shellacks like it was nobody's business. And um, I heard two things <laughs> from the same person. <laughs> it's, it's driving me nuts. It was like, oh. We need to bring out more millennials. And instantly, like 10 minutes later, it's like, it's all them millennials' fault. And it's just like, wow, I didn't know that we became our own minority group. It's getting so awkward. And you, you see the left, they're going around basically doing an opposite of last year. Last year on November 8th, it was the night of long tears. And apparently, you know, this year it was, oh my gosh, people actually like us. No, they were just doing whatever they were doing. And it draws a big question. Um, I feel like the GOP does two things very poorly. And I, it's not just the Republican Party. I do think that it's also the Democrats by and large. But Republicans, I think, should do it better because they are better when it comes to this. And it's the fact that they either completely ignore the youth or they completely take them for granted. I think both both accusations are very accurate. And I can't go any further without talking to one of the most peculiar people. This is one of the youngest candidates I've ever met, but somebody that you should definitely keep an eye on. Maybe throw some muchos de narrows too. If 
you possibly can. Ladies and gentlemen, you love her from the last time. Last time it was summer, and now it's winter, and it was so weird because I was watching the other video get ready for gotcha questions tonight, and it was like I was wearing like a t-shirt and shorts, and now I'm like bundled up wearing three layers now. Time flies, ladies and gentlemen. Morgan Zeggers. Morgan, what's going on? Hey, Remzo. Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. My name is Morgan Zeggers. I'm running for New York State Assembly District 113 in upstate New York, and I'm focusing the campaign on getting the government off of your back and out of your pocket. So essentially, you're an old white dude that's in the guise of a 20-year-old gal from New York. Yeah, that's me. Essentially, because that's, that's, that's the raging stereotype right now. Before I get started on this rant, Morgan... What would you arm your chainsaw with if you could put in anything but a chain? If you if you could, what would you arm your AR-15 with if you could put in anything other than a chainsaw? Because apparently now we can just put anything on our guns. Well, my main goal with gun ownership is just self-protection and protection of my family. So I think I'd be fine with just the the firearm. That's a boring answer. Chainsaw or no chainsaw? No. <laughs> I do like chainsaws for firewood, but that's about it. <laughs> I had to throw that out there. It's it's so strange. It's so strange because for the longest time, it's the left constantly screaming, uh, why don't people take us seriously? Why don't people take us seriously? And then we go ahead and we go and we basically say, well, we because people don't put chainsaws on their AR-15s. But Morgan, speaking of being taken seriously, I'm I'm getting super frustrated with people. They're, it's the same people that are saying, oh, we need better, creative, fun, entertaining, engaging stuff online, and they never do anything to help. And then they're like, oh, we need more millennials. And then the moment they see us, they hate us. I'm, I feel like this is like an abusive relationship where, you know, the GOP is like that spouse that's like, baby, I love you. And next, you know, they're going Chris Brown on you next minute. It's just like, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do now. Do, do, do the GOP have a millennial problem? Or is it something that I, I might just be, you know, nitpicking a bit? Well, that actually reminds me, I'm rereading Kristen Soltis Anderson's book, The Selfie Vote. And I got it a couple years ago, but I was looking at it last week. And in the beginning, she talks about sushi and how millennials are more open to trying sushi. Democrats are more open to trying sushi and a majority of Republicans are against trying sushi. And it's not about the food that each party or demographic chooses to eat, but it's more about the visualization of what parties are willing to try and what people are willing to try. And I think this wave of individualism an adventure that millennials are showing could be satisfied with the GOP platform if we just position ourselves in a, a way to communicate that we believe in personal and financial freedom and help the millennials understand that that's what we're after and we're not these evil people that the left are trying to portray us as. Exactly. The thing that um, I think triggered a lot of people last week primarily was there was a study put out. I don't, I don't remember if it was by the Wall Street Journal. It was, it, it, it was one of... It was one of those outlets like New York Times or something like that, you know, one of the reputable places. And they essentially said that they conducted a survey of a large number of millennials. For those of you that don't know the age bracket, it's anyone between like 18 to 34, essentially right now. Yeah. And what they said was that over and I'm going to butcher these numbers. So if you have the link, go ahead and post it in the comments below. Help me out there. Help a brother out. And essentially what it showed was like more than like 60% of millennials surveyed said that they were okay, not just of socialism, but with communism. Another 15 to 20% said that they were, they want, they preferred capitalism. And then like, like double digits, like 10% at minimum said that they had no preference. 
And immediately, like every person I saw online who's part of the, you know, the AARP caucus, as I call them, they were flipping out like, these kids are destroying America. And instantly I'm just watching this millennial bashing and hate train come down. And I'm like, well, my generation didn't put us into perpetual wars and destroy the housing market. So what, what do you think? Because we've got to go ahead and we, we've got to do some introspective looks here. What's wrong with us? Because you and I, I think we're doing pretty well for ourselves. And we're, you know, we've got a good head on our shoulders. And I see some people wearing the Shea shirts and it's like, bro, he's not this LGBT Black Lives Matter type of hero you portray him as. If anything, he'd set you on fire alive. Yeah. So when I think of this, I actually see a lot of opportunity for the GOP. And a few people know this. Uh, I'm also a, a senior in college and running for state assembly at the same time. So it can be a bit difficult to balance, but it's it's very worth it. And that means I still am on campus a few days a week and I have roommates. And one of my roommates is a devout communist. And so the first week of school, I opened my laptop. Whoa, 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 yeah, so the first week of school, I open my laptop. I have my capitalist sticker from FFL. It's bright pink, and she looks at it and has an almost heart attack. So that started the conversation of, wait a second, you have a problem with the sticker? And then I walk downstairs a few days later, and there's a poster in her room, and it's Mao Zedong, Stalin, uh, Lenin, and a few others. And it says, welcome to the party. And it was a serious poster. I was, I was like, is this a joke? And it wasn't. But we have meals together, and I try to open that conversation. And we are very civil with each other, and we've become very good friends. And it's kind of weird. And that's because we actually agree on one thing, and we both don't like that elite political class party of Hillary Clinton. Now, she doesn't trust the government. I would have thought that Hillary was a commies, not, like, dream dream candidate. But she insists that communizing the economy is going to give more power to the people. And this is where I see the opportunity for conservatives and Republicans and libertarians to have a conversation with the millennials that I think are a little bit confused as to what we believe in and what communists believe in. Because I, I try to tell my roommate, communizing the economy, or that's just a nice way of saying a communist government, is just going to give more power to those elites and those government leaders. And giving more power to the people is the goal of Republicans. We're trying to give more power through power with your money that you earn and lowering taxes or personal freedoms. And that's our goal. So I, that's where the communication with the GOP and millennials can come in handy. And I see a lot of opportunity. That That's shocking. So she's basically paying for all your meals, right? Like a, like a good communist. You, sure. you, know, you got you to gotta go ahead and spread it. But say that weather before. <laughs> she will do it. She believes in that. She thinks it's just a construct. Money's just a construct, Eric. And that's, it's so interesting you, you would use that term. I know, I know you're quoting her, but, you know, money is a construct. This is so strange because um, going back to about 2014, 2015, there was an article done by Reason Magazine that talked about the independents, how they're basically, they're not choosing, um, you know, the basic left-right political spectrum that you're taught in school specifically, but what they're doing is they're opting out of the system and they're trying to give everything back to the end user. We're seeing that with um, app-based technologies. It's like, are you going to go with the taxi union or are you going to go ahead and call an Uber or Lyft? 
Are you going to go ahead and you know pay everything in dollars or do you want to use Bitcoin? Even when it comes down to your entertainment, when you look at your social media bubble, it's not that you're necessarily widening your views on a lot of things, but you're creating a very narrow echo chamber that's catered to you. And it's so strange that this generation that wants to decentralize authority, that wants to decentralize concentrated power is so okay with government being that monopoly. Do you think it's that they actually understand what it takes to get there and how those policies would be implemented? Or do you think it's this, I don't want to curse, but it's this, I'll call it a half-baked, oh, well, once we get to that point, then we'll make it work. Then we'll go ahead and try it out for size and see what works from there. I mean, I almost feel like they don't get what communism actually means because a lot of people have to die to get to that point. Yeah. Well, there's a few things that I can think of with my conversations with my roommate. First, we've been in heated discussions, and then I'll say, okay, what do you think about Venezuela? And her only response is, you guys love to bring that up. So that right alone, I'm like, okay, I just won that. Second, she has offered to give me readings and books to check out. And she said, I'll read anything you want. And my first thing is give her the constitution. But that was more of a joke. And then she she is so for the people and she has the best of intentions. And that's why I'm happy that I had these conversations with her. But I'm trying to make her see that communism is doing the exact opposite of her goal. So I think there is a weird miscommunication. I don't want to say she's uneducated and I don't want to say anybody else is, but I think maybe the way we're being educated in the the school system is not enough to understand the last few decades of our history. Maybe we focus a little too much on what's before that and then not enough is focused on the actual impacts of communism in recent history is what I'm trying to think of. That, that totally makes sense. Um, Kind of, kind of shifting it a little bit because I want to keep this. This is really interesting, yeah. but this transcends so many different things. Last week, um, Virginia and New Jersey went blue. I'm not. I, I wasn't surprised. Like I actually thought that Republicans would win Virginia. I definitely knew that wasn't going to happen in New Jersey. But um, you know, I wasn't surprised. And people are like, "Oh, well, you're just saying that because you want to seem right at something." It's like, oh, not really, because when you look at the historical averages, whatever party typically has the federal government more specifically the White House, usually in these bellwether states, these off-year elections, the opposing party gets it with Barack Obama, um, Virginia elected Bob McDonald, and when it was uh, George Bush, it was Tim Kaine or uh, whatever the other guy's name is. I'm going to be terrible and I didn't forget and not care. But um, you have a lot of people saying that last week's election was a memorandum on Trump, a referendum on Trump. Uh, the 2018 midterms are just going to be a bloodbath for Republicans. What are your thoughts? Do you think that this is just a fluke? Do you think that there's something we could learn from it? Um, I like if I were a candidate right now, like I'd be probably worried. But at the same time, I'm seeing people that are just like, oh, no, we just need to double down on what we were doing and try harder. And I see others that are like, maybe. Maybe we should actually learn something from this. What's it like being a candidate in this situation, you know, heading heading towards that election day? Yeah, well, first of all, I am from upstate New York, so I, I have a unique perception on it. And first of all, these news media outlets that are telling us these decline of the GOP stories were the same ones who told us that Hillary Clinton was going to win and had a 90% or over chance of winning the presidential election. And we all know how that turned out. And even better, in my area, they were proven wrong. 
And the Democratic blogs in my area of Saratoga County in upstate New York were publishing these really false articles saying that the Democrats were going to take over in 2017 and the Democrats were on the rise in our county, which is very Republican, and that they were going to take some really important seats. And we had 113 Republican candidates in Saratoga County on Tuesday and 95% of them won. So when Democrats continue to say that my county is turning blue and that they're on this anti-Trump wave that's actually successful, I think they do need to take a look at the numbers and take a look at the hard facts that they learned on last Tuesday. What do you think some of those hard facts are? And I really do believe that they pay a little too much attention to the national mainstream media. And they are a little out of touch with the average American, because we just want to live our lives and we're not going to let the, the issues that the Democrats have been focusing on, like standing for the national anthem in a football game. We're frustrated with that because we're proud of our country. We're proud of standing for the national anthem and we aren't against their right to protest, but then they paint us in this picture of hating the first amendment. And there's a lot of bad blood, I think, between Democrats and Republicans because we're being painted as these racist bigots and sexist. And even in my campaign, I've gotten tweets where they say, sick of the sexist Republicans, what against Morgan Zeggers? Because that makes sense. Because you're totally an old white dude. Yeah. So apparently vote against the woman if you don't want sexist in office. They really don't make any sense to the people that just want to live their lives and they care about the issues of taxes and our economy in a small town of upstate New York. It's so strange because you take New Jersey and Virginia, for example, there was a surprising lack of cities being burned down. Yeah, yeah. And we, we just accepted the loss. And But then again, it's not covered. And so it just happened and went down. In terms of your race specifically, and people have been bugging me, and the fact that they still don't necessarily like understand why they haven't been listening necessarily, it, it does show something interesting. They're like, you know, you, you bring on a lot of down ballot candidates for the podcast specifically. I had people running for city council out in Washington state who were running for, um, uh, you, you name it, just a local office. I'm always bringing on these down ballot candidates and it always goes back to, you know, everything is local. If you want to affect government, the largest way, the best way to do it is to see how it is in your own city, your own neighborhood. And I, this is an amazing time to be alive. This is an amazing time to get involved in politics. And when I was running campaigns, when I was a campaign manager, we didn't have access to half of this technology. And we're only looking at a couple of years. I would have loved to have live stream uh, one of my candidates uh, shooting the tax code or something. I mean, I look back in retrospect, I'm like, oh, that would have been perfect. And now we look at things and it's like there, there's, there's two things I'm seeing. The Democrats who say that they're of the people, that they connect with the youth the most, they're still stuck in the same old party tactic mentality. Whereas you look at Republican candidates throughout the country, no matter what level, they're actually reaching out to what I mentioned earlier, the end user. They're going out and actually like touching, not Harvey Weinstein level, but they're actually like going out and they're engaging with voters. And one thing you started recently isn't anything like, you know, super mind blowing, but you started doing these, uh, day these week weekly videos. Yeah. How about you tell us about that? Because you'd think that in 2017, this would just be something that people just do because they're like, Oh God, check that off the list, but they don't. Yeah. So 
I started it as a weekly video just to talk about a different topic each week because I really do think there is a lack of transparency in our state. And a lot of New York politicians are morally bankrupt. And you can check there's a New York Times article where it's just a list of the last 30 things that have happened in just the last decade of New York state politics. And it ranges from throwing hot coffee under the face of an aide to stealing money from a little league program, all done by New York state legislators. So I was just getting frustrated by reading those things. And I thought, how did these people get elected? Like, did they really trick the voters into thinking they were good? Or did the voters just not know enough about them on a personal level? So to combat that, I was like, all right, well, I'll just make myself as transparent as possible, provide the voters these videos. And, you know, if they don't watch them, they don't watch them. But the point is, they're there if they want to learn about me, because they do deserve to know me on a personal level, not just as Morgan Zeger is a politician at a state level, but as a community member from Malta, New York. And it actually started, I was driving because with the campaign, you drive many hours each weekend and each week. You're driving from New York to D.C. I don't love my parents that much to have done that when I was an undergrad. <laughs> yeah, so it is. It's six hours down. But, you, but you're doing this because you got to still work. You've got to like actually run a campaign. So Yeah, so it is a lot of driving, and I thought I could use this time to do the videos. But then, you know, that didn't really work out because it's a little dangerous in driving. So I just sit down and record. How, how would you do that? Get like the selfie stick in this one hand and it's like <laughs> hand on the other. And it's like, hey. Yeah, I, that was a bad idea. So then I just moved on to just posting a regular video each week. Yeah, it's. it. This is 2017. And I know I say that. You're right. I, I thought, like, this is, you know, why aren't more people doing this? It's so easy. Because what do we know about politicians? We really know what's in their stump speech, what's listed on their Facebook page and their and their website, and then, like, what they put on their lit. And that's about it. So as much as I can do that, and we even created a Snapchat account to put those fun, like, short speeches that I do at events and the fun moments from visiting businesses and farms just to create that essence of we're here for you guys to know about us. Do you feel like you're being supported by your state and local party or do you feel like they're adverse to this type of, you know, this type of I'll, I'll call it campaign technology because that's the buzzword that they like to throw out there? Because I feel I feel like, you know, when you talk to the party guys and everything, it's like they're saying, oh, yeah, we got to take advantage of all the all the Facebooks and the tweeters and everything. And then you do something and they're like, who gave you permission to do that? Do you know who you're talking to? Do you know what they're going to do? Do you know what they're going to say next? And it's just like you got you got to calm down. Yeah. And it's definitely a balance. And as somebody who's, I mean, I'm 20, so I don't have the 40 years of experience as a politico to know the ins and outs of campaigning. So I do have a team of advisors and they want me to run them by those things, but they also don't. Um, I mean, I, it is overloading because you have to post on social media a lot. So I do overload when I send them the messages like, is this good? Is this good? Is this good? But when I met with the state party and the local parties of the counties, and they were really open to it. And I thought I would have to do a lot more lobbying on my half um, to get them to even consider the campaign. And of course, we have the endorsement process coming up. So I'm not the official Republican candidate yet, but I will be probably around March if nobody else announces. I don't have a, an opponent yet. And um, they were really on board with it. And it's kind of a combination. And that's where I think the campaign is really working well. It's combining the, the 20 year old politician with the experience of everybody else in the county party. That's perfect because you gotta have those two things together. I'm I'm hearing a lot of different people, and uh, it's it's always like I feel like 
on their end, they're talking to a wall because I could definitely see a lot of people ignoring what they're saying. But you have like these two camps that's saying, you know, we have to just completely do a complete upheaval of everything that we're trying to do. And then you have others that are saying, no, we need to stick with the same stuff because all this change could bring disaster. And then you have these people that are saying, no, what we need to do is we basically just need to bridge that divide and go forward when things make sense. Because there's no dumber Republican conservative stereotype than the party of people that don't like change. Um, you know, Ted Cruz is one of my biggest heroes and he's a true role model for anyone that wants to run a campaign smartly because he was doing things that you never did on a campaign. He had people take their walk books where volunteers would go door to door and he turned it into a video game for them and stuff like that. He, yeah, he did. Ted, Ted knew what he was doing. He surrounded himself with smart people. He, people forget Kellyanne Conway worked for Don, for, worked for Ted Cruz before she went to Donald Trump. So, well, has, yeah. Part about upstate New York, we have a very large amount of female Republican politicians and uh, political office holders. And the party's been very good at embracing the new ideas. And I think that's why we're succeeding so much. We have Congresswoman Stefanik, who's the youngest woman elected to Congress in American history. And we have a bunch of just local office leaders. And it might be a little different in the South or in other places of the, the country, but I am really proud of our area. Why do you think, because we can't blame the liberal media all the time. Yeah. Why, why, like, if I were, like, uh, whoever... Uh, Romney, if I was Romney, the, the chairwoman of the RNC, like I would be taking these women and saying, look, your sexist stereotypes don't hold up to water. Why do you think the GOP doesn't highlight these candidates? Because I'm not just saying, you know, bring up your token minority or your token woman, but be like, hey, your, your accusations, all of your like blatant lies, they, they don't hold up in reality. Yeah, well, I, I don't know much to say about at the national level, I do know that um, someone reached out to me and let me know, you know, once you are the endorsed Republican candidate, contact um, the RNC, and we are more than happy to help out. But it's more so at a local level than getting em um, embraced by the county chairs and by the state chairs. And I definitely was, and we definitely are. And it's just a matter of a lot of stereotypes about women and not being good at fundraising or not having to take more asks before getting the same amount of money as men and not being more willing to go out there and pitch themselves. And you just have to rely on the mentors that you have and the people that do donate as long as you go out there and put yourself out there. And at least in my area, I haven't had to handle something like that yet. And with the, the weird stereotypes like women not golfing as much as men, I actually taught myself how to golf this summer because I talked to a few female legislators and they said, you know what, I wish I knew how to golf because right now I'm not invited to those conversations on the golf course that have to do with politics and fundraising and I wish I was invited. And so I went the next day after that meeting, I bought a set of golf clubs, taught myself how to golf that summer. And by September, I was at the county Republican um, golf tournament and I actually got on the chairman's team. So that was fun. And there was, <laughs> there was like women at that golf tournament and there was a hundred people signed up. So it, you just have to take chances sometimes. That's perfect. Morgan, 
God let you go on the second for people that, you know, whether they're candidates or just activists, people that say, Hey, I have a talent to bring to this movement for freedom, this movement for individualism, for limited government. I need to know where to apply it, but I'm afraid I might not necessarily be taken because my ways are innovative or my ways are different. What, what's your advice to those people that are a bit hesitant to get in the political game and say, Hey, I've got something that can work. Let's give it a try. Well, I think combining it with the system that's already there is the most important thing to do. I really didn't know where to start, but I cared a lot. And I started out at the VFW auxiliary as an officer, and I just realized I cared about a lot of state level issues. I asked a few state legislators to meet with me, get coffee, and then they were like, you know, maybe you should look into the 113th. And next thing you know, I met with more people. And it's just asking people, what do you think I have to do to get to this point? And then completing those tasks. That's how I see it. And people, say, you know, you probably won't be able to do this. And then you just figure out your set of tasks that you have to complete and you do it. And don't let the naysayers get you down. Exactly. Folks, Morgan's got to hang on for 10 minutes, but you got to break through the paywall to go ahead and get that bonus segment. Go ahead on Patreon for $1 or higher. You can go ahead and hang out. We've got some mystery stuff, some mystery questions we'll go ahead and throw out. So if you're doing opposition research, you know, you got to pay up first. But just saying, Morgan, thank you so much for coming back on. It's a pleasure as always. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care, folks. Stay up to date with the latest news and updates by visiting RenzoRepublic.com.